right. Small crowd tonight. The snowstorm outside has everybody everybody stuck in the house. Yep. I got it on film yesterday morning, though. It was flurrying. And then today, Emily said the kids, even the fifth graders, went crazy for it at school, which, how does a flurry get you excited if you live in Anchorage? That's what... Yeah. She was like, why do y'all care? You see this a hundred times a year. Yeah. All right. So a couple of opening things as we get started. I'll be making an announcement during the announcement part of the Devo. I apologize. Um, But I wanted to also say it in here um, for everyone. So the elders are considering, they're contemplating, um, possibly the idea of moving Wednesday night services from 7 p.m. to 6.30. No decision has been made. What we would like to do is put it out to the congregation and get your feedback. Now, the best way to give us feedback is to send an email or type something up so we have it as a record. Um, Even if you say, oh, I don't care, let us know that. Uh, Or, hey, I would prefer this one, but either will work. Let us know that. Or if you did it at 6.30, we can't be there. Okay? Um, But we want your feedback to see if we might do a short trial of that. Um... As you know, the time that we worship is not a scripturally based thing. So if it might benefit the family, it's something we're considering. And uh, there's nothing wrong with if we think we try it and it doesn't work. That's okay. We can always go back. Um, We're not married to a certain time. But if it helps with, um, I was going to say when it gets dark, but it gets dark at like one during the winter, right? So that doesn't really work. (laughs) But uh, some people, particularly with young kids, people who get up early for work. Now, if you give us feedback, I just want to encourage you to follow through. In other words, if you say, hey, we've got kids, we'd be here more on Wednesday night if you did it at 630. And we change it to 630 and you don't come. I mean, come on. We're trying to make an effort. So, so give us your feedback, even if that feedback is, doesn't matter. At least we'll know that, right? Good, bad, or you don't care. Um, send one of us an email or something just so we have it and we can kind of look at that. Because if I have 10 people say something to me, which you're welcome to say something to me, I may not write it down. And it's not a vote, but we just want to see if there's interest. So um, just think about that. Some of you may jump all over it and say it's great or it's terrible. That's fine. Um, we're not going to be offended one way or the other. The second thing is uh, I'm going to be traveling in two weeks, and it was a little unexpected, during Wednesday. So I'll be leaving Tuesday night and coming back Friday. So if someone is able to teach that night, if you'll reach out to me, and I will send something to Tracy and Tony to kind of start looking around, but I wanted to announce it um, because I'll be out on Wednesday. I try to avoid that, but this was uh, kind of out of my hands and unavoidable. So uh, it's a couple weeks' notice. You do not have to teach... um, on what I'm teaching on, but I'm happy to give you a story or two if you want them. Okay, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we love you and we we thank you for loving us and caring for us. We thank you for giving us your word. We hope that we can spend time tonight looking at your word and uh, trying to learn what you would have us to learn. Uh, Help us to say and do the right things uh, coming from these stories so that we can take the lessons you would have for us. We thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to give us your son. What an awesome gift that is. 
It's through his name we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're still in Exodus 20. Whoops, I'm in the wrong chapter here. We're talking about the Ten Commandments a little, and we got through the first four last week. And I am optimistically hopeful that we can get through six this week, and maybe even another story. We'll see. We'll see. Um, the The crowd is light tonight, so please make comments. Um, I don't want it to be like seven eighteen, and we're twiddling our thumbs, going, "Well, that's all ten commandments. What are we doing next?" So, please make comments. So, all right. So Exodus chapter twenty, and we made it down to verse uh, twelve. Okay. So we've gone through the four that talk about our relationship with God. Now we're in the ones that talk about our relationship with fellow mankind. Okay? So verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, so we talked a little bit last week. When we talk about honoring your father and mother, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, go ahead, Tracy. Oh, obey is a good... Oh, yeah. So, okay, so as children, obey. Obedience is certainly a part of honor. We talked about that last week with God. And then as they get older, take care of them, right? Okay. Tony? Yeah. Uphold the name, the family name. That's a good one. Yeah. What else? Respect, okay. Oh, I think you stole what Nathan was going to say. So, what else? So remember, we talk about what the words say and what the intent is, right? So obey certainly is one of the ways we honor. So can you obey your parents but not honor them? Yeah, that, that's the definition of a teenager, right? I'm just kidding. You know, go clean up your room. <sighs> All right. They physically do it out of fear of punishment, right? Losing something or because you've told them 87 times, right? And that we all know it's not just teenagers. It starts about age two and ends. Well, we have a 23-year-old, so we don't know. But at some point, it's going to end, right? Um, yes, you can obey and not honor, right? We talked about that with God. They honor, they, with their lips they praise me, but their hearts are far from me. It's that same thing with our parents, right? Can you honor them and not obey them? So I would say on the surface you can. You're not really honoring them. But I, um, the best example, most of you are old enough to see in reruns. Some of you are old enough to see the original. Leave it to Beaver, right? Who was the one who honored but didn't really obey. You remember, wasn't it the friend? What was it? Eddie Hassel. Yes. Ha- is it Hassel? Not, what is it? Ha- Haskell. Yeah. You know, they would walk in. Oh, it's so good to see you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But he was kind of a little jerk, wasn't he? Right? And we could do that with our parents. We can honor them to their face and be respectful and then um, kind of disrespect them, not uphold the family name, right? Do you have any examples of this in the Bible? Maybe they were obeying but not honoring, 
or sort of honoring, but Tony? Yeah, the, the, the story that Jesus talks about where he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you know, you, you were told to honor your father and mother, but you're taking your stuff, your stuff that you're supposed to use to help your parents, right, as they get older, and you, you, you what they, they declared Corbin, Corban, Corban, I think is the word, but they were, oh, it's God's money. Since it's God's money, I can't give it to you, right? It, it's God's. Now, I'll, I'll keep it until I die, and it's going to be God's, and in the meantime, I can't give it to you. Well, what they were doing was just bypassing what God intended them to do. Oh, I'm obeying my parents, but my money, um, I'm really dedicating that to God. Well, are you? I mean, if you're going to dedicate your money to God, you better give it to God, right? So you, and that's not what they were doing. They were bypassing this. They were trying to bypass it. Um, so what God does here, we talked about the purpose of the Ten Commandments had many, but he's setting up family relationships. He's setting up um, who's to discipline the child and to teach the child and to train the child. And we'll see those types of verses later. But I do think we forget that this is a command to, to, to children, but it is an implied command to parents. Do children naturally obey? No. No. No, they don't. I mean, everybody, right? Amen. No, I've had a kid. They don't obey, right? Yes. They can be the best kid in the world. If your child never disobeyed you, what it means is you didn't catch them, right? I'm sorry. Children do not naturally want to stop playing to go clean up the room. Oh, yes, mother, I'll do that. You know, no, they don't, right? Children do not naturally want to eat their green beans before they eat their dessert, right? Children do not naturally want to share. We say, oh, children naturally want to share. No, actually, they don't. No. I've had two one-year-olds. I've had two two-year-olds. There's no natural sharing there, Tracy. Yeah, Jacob and Esau. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. I mean, we have a responsibility as parents to make sure that we don't let our children fail here. Right? Right? Um, now, I'm not saying that, that this verse is directed at only parents, but there are plenty of other teachings about parents and what we have responsibility. But if you do not train your children, they will not follow this verse. This is not a natural thing, okay? It's not a natural thing. And so as a parent, we should say, oh, I want my children to have long days in the land that the Lord is giving them. In order for that to happen... I need to teach them that honor, that respect, that obedience, right? Um, is this something our society is doing a really good job of right now? Then a lot of parents, the most important thing in the world is my kids. If that is your approach, I want to caution you. That is not a biblical approach to parenting. Now, I'm not saying that a six-month-old who's crying and needs to be changed, you say, it is time to worship. We are not going to feed you. Right? We're not being, you know, when they wake up at 2 a.m., you say, I'm sorry, it's 2 a.m., I'm not going to feed you. But if your kids are the most important thing in the world, you've missed the mark from a parenting standpoint. The most important thing, of course, is our relationship with God. There will be times when we miss services because our children are sick or because our children are having issues or because we're taking them out to train them. That is all fine. The second most important person in the world is my wife. The best thing I can do for my kids is love their mother. Not love the, I will love them, but I will love their mother first. 
And if my children are raised in a family that puts God first and mom and dad second, loving each other and respecting each other, they will learn this. Because I will help her, she'll help me. So if you put your kids ahead of your spouse, think about it. If you let your kids determine your Christianity, think about it. Say, oh, that would never happen. Listen, we live in a society that says the kids are the most important. If they want to do 17 sports and seven activities, and we're going to buy them an $800 phone when they turn four, you know, whatever, right? I mean, that's what we do. And then we wonder why when they hit 12, 13, 14, they think the world revolves around them. Well, it did. For a decade, you made them the center of the universe. If, if you automatically take your child's side when they come home from school, you're probably making a mistake. Your children are going to lie to you about their teachers. They're going to misinterpret the situation. I've got a great story. I had a brother who was two and a half years older than me. I had three older brothers. I learned a lot about what not to do in life by watching when they got spanked or grounded. I'd be like, ooh, okay, do not back talk mom. Check. Right. Pretty easy, right? Oh, do not show up an hour late to curfew without calling. We didn't have cell phones back then. So, um, so my brother was in seventh grade, old enough to know better. He got a zero on a paper. He came home and said, Mom, Miss Bracey hates me. She has treated me unfairly, went on and on. My mom questioned him several times. He said, I turned this in. I'm telling you, I turned it in yesterday. And she came to me today and gave me a zero. Paul, are you sure? I am sure. I mean, several times, and he was dead serious. So she set up a meeting with the principal because little Paul would never lie. They get in the meeting. She's like, you know, I have a problem with this. It seems, and Miss Bracey goes, now, Paul, are you sure you turned that in? And he said, well, maybe I didn't. And my mom kind of sat there, was nice and polite. And the ride home, apparently, for Paul was not a good one. Okay? If, you, if your kids say, Miss so-and-so hates me, Miss so-and-so's treating me bad. I'm not saying parent, teachers ever treat your kids badly. But 99% of the time, your kid is lying. I'm sorry. They are. Okay? Do not go to the principal. Do not get your kids out of trouble when they make a mistake at school. All right? If they get a zero on a paper, it's not the end of the world, right? So do not put your kids first in your life. They are important. They should be loved, but they are not number one or number two, okay? Um, And do not let them think they're number one or number two. So I loved my kids. I didn't go to their practices. Why not? It's important. Yes, important, but it's a practice. I went to their games, and I missed a couple because of work, and I told them I'm sorry I'm going to miss it. But you know what it taught them? You know, Maybe sports aren't the most important thing in the world because dad wouldn't miss something that was really... They were important to me. The sports meant nothing to me. They were important to me, but they weren't the most important thing in the world. I love my daughters. They know that. But if your children are first in your life, we need to talk about priorities. not saying they're not important, but you are doing them a disservice in the Lord. The other thing, just to make sure we understand, children obey your parents in the Lord. That's there for a reason. Not everyone has Christian parents. Not everyone has God-fearing parents. Um, And this is, you can still honor them. Um, I'm sorry, children obey your parents in the Lord. It comes from Ephesians 6, where it's a quote back to this. You can still honor them, but there is a time when you cannot obey them because what they're doing is not right. I've had kids who come to church because if they turn 16, they got their license and they're coming to church, even though mom and dad aren't, right? That's okay. If mom and dad say no, they're like, I'm sorry, I'm going to church. That's dishonor. No, it's not. No, it's not. 
in the Lord. So it's still within that in that parameter. All right. Questions or comments about that? Correct. And we see that was, that, that's a good comment about respecting and honoring, honoring your elders. And we see that within the New Testament several times. Younger women, older men, older women, uh, younger people and their elders. There's still a um, there's still a respect there and an honoring. Um, there's a special place for parents, but I grew up in a church that was, um, hey, if you see Stephen misbehaving, you let us know. Or even better yet, you just swat him on the rear end right then and move on and tell us you did it. We're good with that, okay? That is not the best thing as a five-year-old to grow up, and that it actually was good for me. But, um, but it was the same thing. I, I, there were people at church that would say things. So we wonder why kids don't respect the law. We wonder why kids don't uh, obey elders. We wonder why kids have problems in classes. We wonder why they have problems with bosses. Right here. It starts with this. Are we teaching them that honor and respect for authority? And that first authority is God, and the second is, of course, the parents. So, other comments? Tony? There's a comedian that I don't like to quote because of what he's done in his life recently, but I brought you into this world, and I can take you out just as easily, right? Uh, yes, yes, make another one just like him, yeah. Um, yeah, so again, I'm not condoning what the comedian stood for, but yeah. Um, and again, just it's hard because as parents, we want to make children the center. We want them to be the most successful. You know what is it? You know what the most successful is? Is when they're in heaven one day, not when they get a thirty-six on their ACT, or they're all state in a sport, or they're rich. Right? It's when they get in heaven one day. That's a good point, yeah. So Ron was talking about that we missed something here about honoring your mother and father so that your days may be long in this world. And if you have children that are honoring their parents, and it gets back to what Tracy implied earlier, that helps the parents in their older days, in their life, in their longevity, and hopefully that means that your kids will have that same, I mean, that's a continuing thing we teach from generation to generation. Um, so, yeah. And it's the, we, we see in the New Testament, it's the first command with promise. It's not actually the first command and promise, but it's the first of the commandments from the law that's in promise. There are other times when God makes promises if you do things, but this is where the law comes out, and it's the first one that gives that. If you do this, something will be rewarded to you. There's a benefit to it. Good. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. 
and I've said another one to him, so it's, it's not my job to be your friend, it's my job to be your parent. There'll come a point where hopefully we'll be friends because of respect, mutual respect. The other one I tell parents is it's not your job to make your kids popular. That's the other one we miss. They do not have to be popular. In fact, I would dare say they're probably better off not being popular. And nowadays, the things you have to do to be popular. Not everyone can be naturally gifted with intelligence, good looks, and humor. There's there's also the mere mortals out there that. So it's okay if they're not popular. Let's go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of things with that. That's a good point. So, the first is, what were they doing before this? Were they dishonoring? Um, we are. We know that there were rules in place. Cain killed Abel. Murders now being mentioned for the first time as being wrong. Well, no, it must have existed before then. He's codifying it here and writing it down. And I would say that's true for a lot of these things. I doubt when he said, do not steal, they all went, oh, really? You know, because there must have been some sort of something there. And then the second question is a very tough one, and I, and I do get this. Fair amount. What, if I, what if I have abusive parents? What if I have um, parents that aren't Christians and are you know, trying to lead me a different way. So a couple of things with that. Number one is we see we see in Ephesians in the Lord. In other words, anything they're doing that's contrary to the Lord's will or acting in a way that's the Lord's will would not be something you would have to honor and respect or obey. Okay. Um, I still think, and this is a this is me, okay, this is opinions one oh one. Even if I have a bad mother or father, there is still a certain amount of respect that I give them because of their position. It doesn't mean that I'm paying for their needs, but that respect is there because one is their position and number two is I want to have an influence on them some point in my life. I am not asking somebody who's been in an abusive relationship to go back to that those parents. That is, that is something I can't ask because I've not been in that type of relationship and I can't imagine what that would take. Um, I... This is not an equal comparison, but the comparison I've heard used is I honor the president even if he's an idiot or a terrible person because of the position. Again, I know that may not be the same thing, but so there's a certain amount of I honor the office. Well, I would say that might be the same with parents, but I don't know that, again, this is Opinions 101. This is Stephen talking kind of off the cuff here. I don't have a great answer for that, but it's one that I would not fault someone who says, I'm putting their out of my life, because there's plenty of times we can do that in relationships. And I would not fault someone who said, I'm not going to honor them or dishonor them, I'm just going to put them out of my life because of X, Y, or Z. I guess the question is, where does that, where's that line? And I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I, Right. I, I would say dishonoring them is always wrong. So if I have an abusive parent, I can try to get them right, or I can do away with them completely. But what I don't want to do is go out and slander them. And They're awful. They're ter- they may be, but that's not my job. So, yeah, that's a good point about, yeah. And if you have an abusive parent, please, under, I'm, I'm trying to think through this. It's a horrible situation to be in. Um, you know, the same question we get often is in marriages. 
and abusive relationships. And um, we have to have really deep conversations about what's allowed because that type of abuse is something that's, that's a challenge. And I don't have experience, but I would never fault someone with a parent that was abusive who says, I'm never talking to them again. I just can't fault them for that. Uh, correct, yes. Yeah. So, so again, that in the Lord part is they're not, in the, they're not acting in the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tur- turn it, yep. So, yeah, I would never fault someone who says they're out of my life in that situation. Tony, did I see your hand? Yes. And so Tony was talking about when there's an abusive relationship, the first one would be parents, the other would be marriage. Um, when we see rules and laws, there are sometimes exceptions. You're going to say, oh, well, I can make an exception to everything. Here's what I mean. Proverbs are not 100% immutable facts, right? Proverbs aren't. Um, when we see honor your mother and father, and then later we see a clarification, not a clarification, but an expansion from Jesus who says, and this is found in other parts of the law, honor your mother and father or obey your parents in the Lord, that puts a stipulation there that says, now, there's times when you don't obey them. So there's times when you cannot honor them. There's times when you cannot be respectful in certain situations because that's such an extreme situation. And I do agree that sometimes it's a, I don't want to say case by case, that's sometimes a cop-out, but is there real abuse there? Are we going to tell a wife, go back to your abusive husband? No. Now, whether they're free to marry is a whole different conversation. I'm not going to go down that pathway. But no, I'm not going to tell someone to go back and be abused. Um, I'm not going to fault somebody who says, but I think I'll take it if it means I can make a difference. So I know someone whose grandmother was beaten every time she went to church. She did not leave him, and eventually he became a Christian. And this went on for many, many years. Well, that's great, but that doesn't mean everybody can do that. But for her staying there because she chose to, that's fine. But had she chose to leave and protect herself and her kids, that would have been okay as well. Um, Now, hopefully at some point the church can intervene, that's what Tony was saying, and we can go to the abusive person and make a difference there or protect the children, which we immediately would do, or protect the wife, which we immediately would do. Tough, tough situations there. So, all right, let's go to the next one. Pretty simple. You shall not murder. Okay. Does it say you shall not kill? Do what? Well, I'll tell you this. It doesn't say that. No matter the translation, it doesn't say that. Yeah. 
There is a different word for killing. There's a different word that occurs for punishment. There's a different word that occurs in war than murder. Murder has to do with intent. Okay? So murder has to do with intent, intent of the heart. Do we see where God establishes that killing someone might be okay? And when do we see that? Cities of refuge, right? Okay. Yeah. We see it in wars. We see it in punishments. We read through the law. I mean, it's a good thing, I'll just be honest, that I was not a Jewish boy in Israel. There's a few things in here that really would have tripped me up, and I'd have been getting hit with some rocks pretty regularly. Right? So, so yes, we see it as an acceptable form of punishment. We see it in war. We see self-defense. Right? We see things that are justified. Now, this is not a statement on the death penalty. So can a Christian believe in the death penalty as being okay? I believe so, because the Lord established it as such. Could a Christian in modern-day society be opposed to the death penalty and still be okay? Yes. Because they aren't necessarily opposed because God's against it. They may be opposed because they want to give someone grace or mercy. Or they may be opposed because of the statistics of the death penalty, which I didn't know growing up for 40 years of my life. It's like if they kill somebody, murder them. So in our country, whether or not you get the death penalty is more dependent upon the color of your skin than on the the degree of the crime. Did you know that? Yeah. Those of color are far more likely to get the death penalty. And you say, oh, but does it have to do with the number? Nope. If you compare apples to apples, number of murders committed, number of convictions. It is applied irregularly. It is applied without uniform application. And it is used in some places and not others. And so there are a lot of Christians who are opposed to it because it is not a deterrent, right? The death penalty has no deterrent on crime, okay? Because the average is like 26 years from going to jail to the death penalty being carried out. That would be like telling your one-year-old, I'm going to spank you when you turn 17, right? It has no deterrent on the action. So those are a Christian who can say, I'm against the death penalty. But those Christians who can say, I'm for the death penalty, that's okay. God obviously established it as okay. So this is not a statement about the death penalty. So what does Jesus say about this commandment when we get to the New Testament? You have heard it said, yeah, boy, we, now we're going to get into some challenges here, aren't we? You've heard it said, do not murder. But if you're angry in your heart against your brother... Ooh, man, this gets tough, doesn't it? Because I can say, hey, a murderer is a bad person. But am I any different? And you say, well, you know, there's degree. Okay, I agree there's maybe degrees of things. But when I get mad at the person who cut me off in traffic, when I get mad at the person who stole something from me, let me ask this. Is it okay for me to hate those people that did that terrorist attack over the weekend? Let's, let's put the rubber where the, where the rubber meets the road. Let's put it in real-time society. Where does God say it's okay to hate my enemies? Ooh. Right, he doesn't. Man, this is a challenging one, isn't it? This is tough. Boy, I stepped on my own toes there, didn't I? Because I was ready for a nuke to go off on Sunday, right? Because of what happened. Oh, that's not what we see here. Man, this is a tough one. Well, we've got to really check our hearts 
and what we say. So, ooh, how about we skip on through to the next one? Okay. That's right. So that's a good, the marriage question is, can I tell my wife you can't be angry with me? My wife might say, well, or I just might as well murder you since there's no difference. So, yeah. That could go the wrong way. That could go the wrong way, couldn't it? It it is. It is. But what Jesus is saying, it's not that the same word. It's that the whole missed point was we had the words of the law. Yeah. And we have the meaning of the law. Yeah. And so the Pharisees had gotten the words right but they had missed the meaning. We're about to see that on this next one, too. All right, it's a tough one. Do not commit adultery. Okay? So part of what God's doing here is establishing the sanctity of marriage, right? We talked about the purpose of the, of the, the commandments, the sanctity of marriage, the holiness of marriage. We talked about relationships. We've got the, you know, the, the parent-child with honor your mother and father. We've got society. One of those relationships is do not murder, don't even be angry with. Um, and now we've got this relationship with your spouse. This is one where it's like, oh, this is pretty straightforward. Let's go back to that same, you have heard it said in Matthew chapter 5. Boy, this gets to be a tough one. And let's be honest, it gets to be a really tough one for men. That if you lust after another, you've committed adultery in your heart. Boy, that's a tough one. Gets to the heart of the action not just the action, right? So I could ask, does society make this tough? (laughs) Yeah, in the 80s was the first time I heard this term, sex sales, right? And it's like, oh, that's not true. It is. Um, When I became a practicing physician, it was the first time that I really got to learn about drug reps, so what people didn't know is in my practice, my mom was my nurse. And so you would have these reps come in, and my mom would be like, the doctor's not going to be able to see you today. It's because of what she was wearing. No, the doctor's not going to be able to see you today. Yeah, Because they did studies. If the doctor is a male and a sexy female is the drug rep, 300% increase in prescribing the drug over the next six weeks. Now, it may not last, right? So, so this is a challenging one. Now, this doesn't mean that you see somebody and you glance over, oh, no, I've committed adultery in my heart. Sometimes people are so horrible in what they're wearing that it is hard not to at least go, there are somebody's underwear that I can see, Right? Right? That's, it's hard not to notice that. Then the, the question is, what do you do when you see that? Right? And again, I think this is much more challenging. I'm not stupid for men than it is for women. Right? My wife has all she can handle right here. She doesn't need to look at anybody else. But for men, it is a challenge. She's going to, listen, it's going to be a long ride home tonight, I'm just telling you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. She can't get angry. That's right. She's basically going to have a simple response. You're an idiot, but go ahead. Lust is different than noticing someone. Correct. 
lust is different. And you can notice someone and think, wow, ooh, oh, you catch it? Good. Good for you. That's, but there is a difference. Tony, go ahead. Correct. Seeds the Pharisees. Yes. In other words, I could sit around and look at naked women and, oh, but I never actually went to bed with any of them. Right? No, he's saying, what are you, what are you talking about? That's not the idea. The idea is to change the way you think, to change the way your heart is, to change the way you act, to be different. Um, yes. So I, I will throw one thing out here that I want you to consider, okay? I think that there are sometimes sins that we elevate to worse than others. There is no doubt there's different consequences to sin and different damage to sin. But this is one of those in the church that we tend to put out there is, oh, it's awful. Oh, it's terrible. You know, that person five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago did X. Right? But we will let people gossip every week and not consider them a big problem, right? We can be worldly every week, right? So be careful that we don't make this sin greater than it is. It is a sin, right? But it is not the be-all, end-all, okay? The other thing that I want you to carefully consider, how does this verse, along with what Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, you have heard it said, and then he says, but if you look at a woman and lust after her, you commit adultery. How does that play into the way we view marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I'm not asking for an answer. In fact, I don't want to open that can of worms. But what I want you to do is carefully consider this in your, in your view of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Because when Jesus says, you don't divorce, you sh- we'll not give your wife a certificate of divorce except for what? It's not adultery. He says sexual immorality. Much broader term. Right? Think about how this fits into that. And it's going to be a challenging conversation to have in your mind if you've grown up in the Church of Christ because the typical Church of Christ response does not fit the Scripture. So I want you to carefully think about that. Um, It's been a challenge for me. Right? So, okay. Let's go to the next one. You shall not steal. This one's got to be straightforward, right? Pretty easy. You shall not steal. So again... He's establishing our relationship with others, and it gets back to the example. You know, you said, does this mean we dishonored our parents before now? Does this mean they could steal before now? Somewhere along the way, whether it's through the patriarchs or whatever, somewhere along the way, some of this had been established, that that it wasn't okay to steal. So um, I think we might simplify this too much and think of stealing as I walk into a bank and I have a gun and I rob them or I walk into a store and I shoplift. Most of us would never do those things. The challenge for most of us is what comes around on April 15th, right? And how we fill out our tax return. Because if you fudge the numbers, if you forget something, if you lie, you stole. Did you realize that? You stole. You're guilty of this. You're stealing. Most of us, it's in our business practices. 
So if you want to sell something and you go to Facebook Marketplace and you post it and you know that it doesn't work and yet you sell it without telling them it doesn't work, you have stolen. You've lied, but you've also, oh, it's there. buyer beware. No, 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 no. That's not okay as a Christian, right? I stole money from them that I didn't deserve, right? I had a doctor who was an elder in another church where we were. We didn't go to that church, but there was another one. And we were talking about business practices. And he said, oh, well, with Blue Cross Blue Shield, I do X. And I'm like, well, that's, that's upcharging to get paid more than what you did. And he's like, yeah, but that's the only way I can continue to make the same money I've been making. And I'm like, well, where does it say you're entitled to the same money? Okay. Well, I don't. So I'm like, you know, as a Christian, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. His response was, well, that has nothing to do with the way I run my business. And you think, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. But look at our business transactions, our business interactions. Do we sometimes try to get away with things? Do we sometimes try to, well, I'm not going to be completely honest. That's what stealing is. Anything that is bringing you more money than you deserve, that's stealing. Anytime you lie to get more money or you fudge the numbers to get more money or you change, that's stealing. That's what you're doing because in the end, you're getting something more than you deserved. You took something that you didn't deserve, right? So the idea of buyer beware, anybody remember that Andy Griffith where Opie goes to sell his bike and Andy's like, oh, now do you tell him the tire's about to blow out? Do you tell him the horn doesn't work? And Opie gets mad. And so then Andy's about to sell his house. Dad, do you tell him that it floods downstairs? Did you tell him the, air, the furnace isn't working? And Andy gets mad. Well, they were both wrong, weren't they? Right? They were both trying to steal to try to get something that they didn't deserve. All right. And I, I've got a lot on the last... Oh, yes, I'm sorry, Scott. So that would, Scott's talking about the idea of not stealing people is also being implied here in that study. That would go along with the idea of when we see slavery in the New Testament is not slavery like we think of as American slavery, modern day slavery. It was more indebted servitude. Um, as a general rule, they were not owned. Um, they weren't somebody where they went to war and we brought a million of their people back and now they're going to be our, our workers, right? So, Okay. That would make sense. That would be consistent with what we see elsewhere. So, boy, now you're really opening a can of worms, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Correct. The employees and employers in that working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a good point, and there's lots of ways that employers, employees, so it could go both ways, but you're, you're talking specifically about an employee who says, I got paid for an eight-hour day, but I left an hour early. Yeah, you stole money from your boss. Um, and I, I don't know that stealing a paper clip is the same, but, um, you know, sometimes you get to people's houses like, oh, you know, we used to have those at the hospital. Those TVs are, oh, it's got a little tag on the back from the TV. I've actually it's like, oh, <laughs> Good for you. You got a nice little TV from the hospital there. But, and it could be anything. So, but I, I think the wage theft going both ways is really 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, if you're getting paid for a day's labor, you're supposed to produce a day's labor. And if your employee produces a day's labor, you're supposed to pay him for that day's labor. Yeah, that's a good point, Tony. Yeah, so I was going to open that up, stealing from God. And um, will you rob God? How are we robbing God? Right, from Malachi chapter 3. Right, 3, yeah. Uh, How do we rob God? Boy, I think you've done something on that for the giving in the last few months. Yeah, Um, yeah, we can steal from God lots of ways. Yeah, and it doesn't mean we took anything from him. It's what we withheld from him. Or it's what we gave would not be in our best. That's what he was saying to them. You aren't bringing your best. You've withheld what you're supposed to give to us. Yeah. You're stealing from me. I would dare say other, like our talents and our abilities and our time would be the same thing as money. This does not just imply money, right? This is any property, anything of value. So, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I know what you're saying. There's a different standard for people that aren't claiming to be Christians, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good point. Ron's saying we're, we're held to this standard whether those we're dealing with aren't, correct? I mean, this, this is not a do not steal unless you're unless somebody's stealing from you and you can steal from others to make up for it. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's, now there's nothing wrong with trying to get back what was stolen, but there's not a, well, everybody does it. Right. Everybody cheats on their taxes. So good point. The expectation of following the standard. That's a good point. All right, we're out of time, but thank y'all very much. We did pretty well tonight. Good conversation. So we'll have the Devo here in just a minute.